the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening to the program today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And today, what we want to do is take a look at some of the headlines that are that are out there. Mm-hmm. And well, and actually, it'll end up being kind of like a specific focus. We're going to talk about um, whether or not the word of God is sufficient um, to help us in the time that we're in, mm-hmm. in light of all of the headlines and everything that's going on out there. So that's what, that's basically what we're going to uh, end up talking about today. But I want to start by just reminding our listeners of something that I think is very important. When we read the word of God, right? Like, so let's just, let's just have a conversation like real Christians, right? (laughs) Let's just, let's let's just, let's just have a conversation. (laughs) Like, like if we really believe that we're distinct in the world Mm -hmm. and that the way that we live is different, let's Mm. talk like that for a moment. Okay. Okay? We're out of our minds to even attempt this because, you know, that's, that's supposed to be our spirituality is just contained to the four Mm. walls of a church somewhere. But let's just pretend that um, a Christian is who we are and not just what we do. Let's pretend that, okay? okay? First, it's a stretch. But how would we talk in light of what is going on? Well, for us, we have a different way of approaching situations, right? So we see God as sovereign. Mm -hmm. We trust him and all of his promises. Um, We understand that what we're facing is very real. So we don't speak it that it's not so. Right. (laughs) Right. I just want everybody to be on the same no, page good. with me, right? Because if if, if you can just tell it that it's not so, mm-hmm. then you don't need to pray, right? You don't need to go to God because then you just make your situation not so. You see, this becomes problematic doctrine. Yeah. Okay. And that's not where I want to go. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to get us all on the same page. All right. So basically, and, and then let me, let me also start with this um, topic of conversation. Um, viruses, face masks, and bees. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> wow. Viruses, face masks, and bees. Oh my. That's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about whether or not all of the information that we're taking in on a regular basis, whether or not this has incapacitated us, is it leading to greater mental health issues? I, I came across a story that says yes, <laughs> that we are not healthy mentally because mm. of all of this information. And so whenever I see um, stories like that, I always think about the body of Christ and I think, okay, we're supposed to be a little bit different. Right. Now, the reality is is that we exist in a time where there are real things happening. We don't deny those things, folks. Don't Mm -hmm. deny those things. Mm -hmm. That does not make you more spiritual. These things are happening. Yeah. And and I'm saying this tongue in cheek. If you want to be more spiritual, acknowledge that they're happening, but then declare where you run in the (laughs) midst of it. Okay, <laughs> run to the strong tower. Yeah. <laughs> Who is the Lord? Right? right. And so 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 we're not going to ignore what's happening. But before we do that, let me kind of, you know, take just one of those pieces of um, 
I don't know, I, I guess a, a type of response that we often overlook when we talk, we talk about reading the word of God. We look at the word of God and we understand sort of that it is historical. And we understand sort of that it is spiritual, but sometimes we read it and we're only able to focus on one of those aspects at a time. Mm. What happens when both of those aspects collide and you read them together, right? You understand that what you're reading is actual factual and also something that must be spiritually discerned. (laughs) Well, then what happens is you actually find yourself becoming better equipped to stand in your time Mm. because you realize you're not only reading a spiritual document, right? You realize that you're actually reading something that as we would say in New Orleans, man, this really went down. Yeah. (laughs) Right. We would say this, this is history. This really happened. It really happened. Yes. So our family has been studying through the book of Acts. And as we've been going through this, and, and again, everybody's going to have their own way as they, they study through and the spirit of God is going to reveal different things to you. But one of the things that fascinates me is that on Paul's missionaries, uh, during Paul's missionary journeys, he wrote six of what sometimes are called the missionary epistles. But these six letters are really interesting because they are dealing in real time with what is ailing the church based on where those churches are, Mm -hmm. all right? And so Paul doesn't ignore the culture. He doesn't ignore the people. He doesn't ignore the persecution that they're facing. Um, I'm thinking of the Thessalonians. Again, that's one of those missionary letters. He he wrote both of those letters within like a six-month time span, historians believe. Um, And if you read the book of Acts and then think about him writing to the Thessalonians, you see how he even, well, Luke gives us his account in Mm -hmm. Acts, but we we are informed that the Apostle Paul and his traveling companions have to leave Thessalonica very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're facing immense persecution. They were on the and run. They are on the run. And if you read it, they go from Thessalonica, they go to mm-hmm. Berea, mm-hmm. and those who are persecuting them from Thessalonica follow them they to follow Berea. Them. They're like, we're still coming. We're still coming. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So it, yeah. so when you read, if you go back then and you read Thessalonians, first mm-hmm. Thessalonians and second Thessalonians, and then you read him talking about the persecutions that they're suffering and how now he's got to go back and make sure that these believers are OK because he had to leave them hastily. He had to get out of Dodge. He had mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. OK. And so you realize that he's not ignoring the reality of what has actually taken place. But now we got to deal with the spiritual impact of what you're suffering. Mm. We got to deal with the spiritual impact of what you're enduring. So they're facing persecution. Paul knows firsthand this persecution. He's been driven out of Thessalonica. Yeah. Right. So he's telling them to endure. Same thing with the Corinthians. This is another one of those. um, The first letter and the second letter to the Corinthians written during Paul's missionary journeys. Right. And it's something, you know, if, if you do a little research on um, Corinth, you learn that Corinth was just a sensual place. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it was just, it was like, it was like the pinnacle of people just living for their own desires and doing whatever it is that they wanted to do. And this was affecting the church planted in Corinth. That sounds kind of familiar. Okay, now think about this. (laughs) Paul does not tell the Corinthians to ignore what is happening around them. Rather, Mm -hmm. 
by the spirit of God, he provides instruction as to how they are to behave in the midst of this reverse culture. That's right. All right. So these things are really going on. People are, you know, engaging in all kinds of practices, which which then makes sense when you read First Corinthians six. Right. And and then you start to understand what the Corinthian (laughs) church was battling and why Paul is saying such were some of you. You're not those people anymore. Come on. You don't live like those people. I mean, it was mm. just, man, it was, it was debauchery. I mean, you can't, you can't even imagine you read some of the information about Corinth at the time that Paul visited there, right? And so what is my point? And I hope that this provides um, a reliable backdrop for how we are to address what is happening in the United States of America. So we don't ignore headlines. We mm-hmm. don't pretend that there are not uh, these troubling headlines that are coming from the media left and right every single day. But at the same time, when you understand that the Bible is both historical and spiritual, mm-hmm. there is great comfort in understanding because of the historicity of the scriptures and because it is spiritually inspired, because it is the inspired word of God, it has bearing on our lives today. And it Amen. teaches us both how to rely on God And also to live in the time and the culture and the context in which we live today. Mm. Now, why am I saying that? I'm saying that because I'm going to present some information that falls into the category of, okay, um, it would it would it would sort of be like if you imagine that you were writing a letter to your kids today and maybe your great great grandkids were going to read it later. Right. It might not make sense because they would not be able to understand what is happening right now, mm-hmm. maybe so far removed from battling COVID-19, right? They might not understand the big talking points that would be wearing a face mask or not wearing a face mask, right? Being fined for that or not being fined for that. Should churches meet? Should churches not meet? They might not understand some of these questions, but some of the things that you might write to your children as you encourage them to hold the line, right? You understand that those things are going to have a context. Yeah. So let's look at where we are today and, and what is the context of, of where we are today. The context of where we are today is that there is great fear and there is great uncertainty among a lot of believers. We just have to say that. That is the reality. Probably it is true that there is great fear and uh, concern that is not even openly expressed. Hmm. People are just walking around, they're bottling this up. And what we are finding, and, and this I'm now going to turn to the study here, but what we are finding is that um, there has been a spike in uh, prescriptions for depression, anxiety, and insomnia. So people can't sleep. People are anxious and people are depressed. There's been a spike, and I'm kind of jumping to this, and then we'll go back and kind of unpack it a little bit as well. But there's been a spike in calls to suicide hotlines. Mm. Guys, I guarantee you. Now, I, of course, I can't know this, right? But I guarantee you that if the Apostle Paul were traveling through America today and all of this were going on, he would not ignore that and tell us, oh, you know, but about eternity. <laughs> he would do both. Yeah. He would address both. Yeah. Because That's these right. concerns not only matter to God, but they have bearing yeah. on eternity. Now, That's what right. do I mean by that? It's even based on our perception. Who do we believe God is? 
Have we come to truly know him? Have we come to put our faith and our trust in him? If you are a Christian, this then is how you live now. This is what this is what Paul is saying to the Corinthians. Mm. This is how you live now. Now that you have come to Christ. So for those of us living in the United States of America, the question is, okay, how how do we live now? We're we're in Christ, but we're facing all of these trials. We're facing all of these struggles. Do we have any encouragement from the word of God? Absolutely, we do. Absolutely, we do. Mm-hmm. So here's the article. This is a Christian Post story uh, from the end of, of last month. Uh, pretty concerning to me, right? But the new coronavirus pandemic has triggered a spike in prescriptions for depression, anxiety, and insomnia in a looming health, mental health pandemic that could explode in America if steps aren't taken to prevent it. This is according to one of the world's leading psychiatrists on mood disorders. This is this is a warning. The man's name is Dr. Roger McIntyre. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he says in this interview with the Christian Post is that these all of the information that we're surrounded by, what is happening directly to families is already taking its toll on Americans' mentality. Yeah. It's already taken its toll on Americans' mentality. I'm going to quote him here as he's quoted in this article. This is the greatest threat on our mental health in our lifetime. Let me repeat that. This is the greatest threat on our mental health in our lifetime, a combustible mix of fear, insecurity, and quarantine. Mm. Wow. Fear, insecurity, and quarantine. You th- you think, you think, that the apostles would ignore that <laughs> you think they would just pretend like, Oh no, don't worry about it guys. Just, no, don't worry. About, no, we, they would address for us what is surrounding us, what we are facing. And they would, by the spirit of God, tell us how to live. It's almost as if, Oh wait, they did do that. That's right. That's right. The word of God is eternal. We have, the word. That's they, right. we have it. <laughs> it's right. There. I, I feel like such a nerd. <laughs> we have it. Yeah, we have it. We don't have to wonder. Because isn't it amazing how our eternal God has provided for us a context that works in every time, in every culture, during every pandemic. Amen. Word of God. Whatever it is that we're facing, the word of God does not change. So we can run to the word of God and in that not just find this uh, temporary solace where we're like, okay, you know, yeah, that made me feel better. No, where your life is changed Mm. because your perspective on eternity is changed. What you value and what you fear is changed. Erin the Addison's American Family Radio will come back, continue looking at this, and we'll um, bring in another article. Dr. Michael Brown has commented on this as well. Make sure you come back and join us. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Gerard Brooks with Flame. Dr. Roger McIntyre, one of the world's leading psychiatrists on mood disorders, has warned that uh, what is happening in our country right now, this is the greatest threat on our mental health in our lifetime, a combustible mix of, mix of fear, insecurity, and quarantine. 
he goes on. This is a Christian Post article. Of course, we'll have a link to it in the podcast if you go back and, and want to get this and read it for yourself. Uh, he continues, we're very concerned about an increase in suicide, depression, <clears throat> excuse me, stress and alcoholism. Um, but with the appropriate social, medical and individual response, we can prevent this mental health curve. It's interesting uh, looking. He's, there's a there's a mental health curve now that we need to be concerned <laughs> with looking at what might be the peak of this uh, information coming from um, America's largest pharmacy benefit management organization, Express Scripts, Express Scripts. Uh, research shows that the number of prescriptions filled per week for antidepressant, anti-anxiety and anti-insomnia medication increased 21 percent mm. between February 16th and March 15th, uh, peak, uh, peaking the week that ended March 15th when the virus was declared a pandemic. So. Now you look at this and you say, you know, p- people are paying attention to what is going on, but what is the source of their comfort during this time? And it seems that there are prescriptions that people are turning to. Right. Now, again, this program is not to discuss whether or not you use prescriptions or or not. That's not that's not what I want to discuss. Yeah. What I want to discuss is how we as believers handle the situations that we face now. I say, first and foremost, we need to turn to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. What's going to happen is there are going to be people who are going to want to write me and tell me what they're taking, what they're doing, and why I don't understand. That's not what I'm discussing. What I am telling you, and you argue me this if you want, what I am telling you is that first and foremost, the Lord is our source. Amen. He is our help. After that, he may direct you to do whatever it is he's already directed you to do. Mm Mm-hmm. But I am almost convinced that for many of us, the Lord is not the first step. Mm. The Lord is not the first step. How do, how do I know this? Because all of the displays in our culture say that we are independent. We are self-sufficient. We are self-reliant. So I heard this information that I could do this or that I should take this or that I should feel this way or that I need to. And so that's where we run. That's what we do. Mm. And the Lord is not enough. But again, what I'm saying today mm-hmm. has nothing to do with what you do after you seek the Lord, but it has everything to do with, hey, have you sought the Lord? That's good. Because the enemy right now, again, <laughs> because Christians are included, we are here in America, right? Yeah. So we, the threat, the, the threat is real that we are being ravaged along with the world. Do you understand? Mm. That's the threat. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way at all. Let me say something else. Um, looking at this story, and, and this was really, really interesting. You know, of course, we look at, we're talking about somebody's going to make some money somewhere off the vaccines. And, and mm-hmm. there's concern about whether or not a vaccine for COVID-19 is being pushed because there's going to be some financial interest somewhere for someone. Somebody's going to make some money. But it's also interesting that um, mental health maintenance costs and people are making money there too that's true um mental health conditions were recorded um to be the costliest health conditions in the u.s with a price tag of more than 200 billion dollars annually on the health care system wow 200 billion dollars annually and then they add to that 193 billion dollars in lost earnings per year now if you know if we have questions about, man, what's the ulterior motive here when people are pushing vaccines, 
Should we also have questions about the ulterior motive when people are pushing antidepressants mm. and when people are pushing anti-anxiety medicine? I mean, can you watch a news program without one advertised in front of you? <laughs> no. Think, think, I just, I mean, just this is just something to think about, something for us to consider. Now, I want to jump down here because um, I think that Dr. Brown, who wrote an article, I want to say this weekend, this this past weekend, where he was talking about what the media um, is doing to kind of aid in this this mental breakdown that's happening among Americans. And I, I it was very eye opening for me. And, it, and again, it becomes one of those things where you go, man, you know, I thanks for helping me put my finger on that. I kind of <laughs> felt like something was wrong. You right. know, it's like, man, that that's exactly it. And Dr. Brown, he does it again. <laughs> but before I do that, I want to wrap up with this article where one of the things that is interesting from this leading um, mental health professional, Dr. McIntyre, is uh, he says that, and I'm going to quote him here because this, this is not a term that I would use, but I'm going to quote him here. He says, quote, in this article, the literature around religiosity and spirituality is very clear. Church attendance, for example, has been shown to reduce suicides in a robust way. It decreases mental illness. It decreases drug and alcohol issues. And so we really encourage that. Wait, okay. <laughs> okay, the mental health professional is encouraging church attendance <laughs> because it's been shown to decrease people's mental health illnesses mm. or to reduce the effects of that, to aid them in their struggles. And at the same time, folks, again, and I'm not, you know, please don't don't look at my push pins on the board with all the red <laughs> lines. Drawn. I'm just saying. And at the same time, you know, there is great debate over whether or not the church needs to meet. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Whether or not we need to gather, whether yeah. or not we need to be in physical proximity with one another. Look, and yeah. again, that's not um, not for today, not today, but maybe another day. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, we know that there is something that happens when the body of Christ gathers together. Amen. When we come together and we're praying for one another and we're encouraging one another and we have these 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 mutual kind of um. I guess ailments, if you will, um, we have these 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 mutual ailments that we can present to one another. Yeah. Where we say, "Man, you're not the only one coming under attack." And, that, and we, that's what we're equipped to do as the body of Christ to bear each other's burdens. You know, you're not going through things alone. You know, in mm -hmm. times of trouble, uh, you know, times of uh, death in the family and things like that. When you have you have the body of Christ with you, man, that's a great. Uh, uh, uplifting thing you know and so to have that not happen at this time you know um i could see why people have been you know uh, just mentally not right yes 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 and 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 increasingly yeah increasingly not right yeah you know yeah. um wrote an article and and this is the the headline is said the dr media brown right Dr. Michael Brown. Yes. Dr. Michael Brown mm -hmm. wrote an article, and here is the headline. Is the media engaging in psychological warfare against America? Mm. Is the media engaging in psychological warfare against America? He begins this way, and then uh, uh, I'm going to quote him at length here in just a second because he um, gives us a little bit of uh, some, some historical information that kind of helps to put things in perspective, and, and hopefully this will in addition, in addition to where we're going to go on the other side of this, 
this will help to give you some mental fortitude. Because if you're, you know, I think some of us have a little bit of that, oh, you are trying to manipulate me? You know what I mean? Like once once you see it, you're right. like, you get angry and then, you know, you resist, you know, <laughs> once you once you can see it. He says, uh, Dr. Brown here in this article, a recent article written primarily by a medical doctor in Alabama claimed, quote, the way in which the media has pushed fear nonstop amounts to psychological warfare against this country. Mm. If it hasn't occurred to you that we have heard one story and essentially one story alone for literally two months. Well, then that should arouse suspicion. Mm-hmm. That should, that should. Arouse. So we should be suspicious that we this is all we're getting nonstop. Right. And so there's an incredible amount of fear. And we've talked about the impact of this, that there's great concern, at least Will the great and I have shared our great concern that, you know, we may not ever be able to go back from this. Yeah. I was talking to um, a medical professional today and I asked her, you know, what do you think? Like, what do you think is going on? And, and she said to me now, you know, she said, well, here's what I think, you know, she said, I think that this becomes our nine 11 medicine moment, mm. our nine 11 wow. medicine moment. She said, you know how airports have forever changed. Like wow. they're just things now that we accept that we just, this <laughs> is post nine 11 living. And she said, I think that, for the medical community and for those of us, you know, she said, I think this becomes our 9-11 medical moment that we don't go back to anything just the way it was before this. Wow. Boy. And I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> going to pray through. I just, you know, cause that's, I, that's fresh. Now there you go. That's fresh. I haven't prayed through that yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's, I'm just, I, there's a, there's a part of me that says um, there should be great concern and why, because I think that this, <laughs> If this were to become a 9-11 medical moment, as she said, and I'm, again, you know, still processing this. But I think if that were true, the problem today is that this control is, I mean, they're not even good at covering that it's connected to an agenda. Right. You understand what I'm saying? This (laughs) is this is not about just, you know, making you comfortable as you fly or safer as you fly. I mean, they haven't even done a good job of hiding that this is about control, that this is about infringing upon our civil liberties, our basic freedoms. I mean, and so I'm like, wow, if, you know, if that becomes a thing, then, you know, but here we go. I want to go back to this article and I, cause I, I really want to turn to the word of God as well. And I, I mean, that's the basis for what we're talking about, that we have a different way that we approach mm-hmm. things that are going on around us. But this is interesting. I was unaware of this information. And so for some of the, you know, the history nerds that appreciate things like this, Uh, Dr. Brown includes in his article uh, this account, and I'm going to read it at length here. And then I want you to I want you to think about this Um, again, quoting from Dr. Brown's article. Shortly after the end of the war, Field Marshal Paul von Hindenburg, and this after World War One, the chief of staff of the Kaiser's army explained in the shower of pamphlets, which were scattered by enemy airmen, our adversaries said and wrote that they did not think so badly of us that we must only be reasonable and perhaps here and there renounce something we had conquered. Now, let me give, let me back up because I can't read this entire article to you, but to give a little bit of con context here, what Dr. Brown is saying is that he is looking at the, the, um, the allies who are encouraging the Germans to, to basically to turn, <laughs> okay, to turn against their government um, in search of peace, 
And the way that this happens is that the allies are dropping these pamphlets saying, don't you want peace? Don't you want safety? On the other side of this, this can all be over. All you have to do is surrender. So pick up there with with this in mind here. And and what was the result of this strategy? The point that Dr. Brown is making here. I'm going back to his article. Military historian uh, Stanley Sandler writes a German army um, that was disciplined, wavered and broke because of these leaflets that were dropped from planes that Mm. people were reading. In other words, what happened was this was called psychological warfare. Mm. So people began to feel like, man, you know, we don't have to live like this. All we have to do is just kind of give up. All we have to do is just go in search of peace and and. What did they find? They found that this was a part of fighting (laughs) to weaken people's thinking psychologically. This was a part of fighting. Back to the article. Not surprisingly, Adolf Hitler termed allied military psy war psychologically uh, efficient. Let me let me say that again. This was Hitler said that they were psychologically efficient. Let me just say it that way, okay? You can go and read the article for yourself. The point that I'm making is this. When you keep something on somebody's mind and you make them feel like they are not safe, and if you want to return to safety, all you've got to do is this, then the end result is that people are battered down and they eventually give up. Yeah. So the question is, how does the Christian fortify his or her mind during times like this? That's ultimately where I want to go. And I hope that people will go and read this article. It's well worth your time. But here's what here's the point that I'm making. There's got to be more to us <laughs> um, sustaining ourselves mm-hmm. than just our daily sort of, you know, news headlines. There's got to be something different that we are taking in. Yeah. There's yeah. got to be something different that we are doing. What I want to suggest very strongly is that that difference has got to be that we are ingesting the word of God. Amen. That we are recognizing who the Lord is daily, that we are engaged in prayer, not just a day set aside to pray, Mm. but that we are daily engaged in prayer. This actually is spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. This is how we fight. Now, you know, the reality is I think we we talk to our friends and we talk to our colleagues and all these things. And and you're going to talk to people who have all kind of different takes on what's going on. I'm not suggesting that we divide and, and break fellowship over a different perspective of what's going on. But I think that there should be one thing that we agree on. And that is that the word of God is totally sufficient. Amen. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that no matter what it is that we're facing, that we can turn to the word of God. I was reading this. I want to uh, share a couple of Psalms here. And um, and I think, it's, you know, um, again, I love I love the the history that surrounds um, the scriptures. Mm-hmm. I love the history that surrounds the scriptures. Right. So here you have David who is running from his own son. <laughs> he's he's running from his son, Absalom. And this is in Psalm three. And this is what he writes. This is what David writes. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help from him and God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, Mm. my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down. Now watch this. I lay down and slept. (laughs) I awoke for the Lord sustained me. 
Mm. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. Amen. All right, we got to grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. people and you may be surrounded by some of these people who want to give you your fear they they want to they want you to be afraid because they're afraid Mm. they want you to be anxious because they're anxious so well they will convince you that you you're obviously you're ignorant because you're not responding the way i'm responding (laughs) but could it be that you know some things that they don't know right and and when i'm talking about what you know i'm not talking about this overconsumption of information right. coming from the media. That's <laughs> right. not what I'm talking about. And so maybe to say it more accurately, maybe you know someone they don't know. <laughs> and maybe you're familiar with his ways. Amen. And maybe because of that, maybe because of being under his yoke, you have learned to follow him. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will and Zach Williams with Fear is a Liar. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, um, read this way, come to me. And and the literal, um, the Greek, therefore, come is literally translated, come now. Mm. Like it's urgent. Come now. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So Jesus says, come now to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you (laughs) and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is the yoke in Jesus' day? What is he talking about? He's talking about coming under his leadership. Mm. He's talking about walking in his footsteps. He's talking about coming under the, quote unquote, burden of his leadership. Mm. (laughs) But what does he say about his leadership? He says, I'm gentle. And lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My (laughs) burden is light. Mm. Come under my leadership. So for all of us living in the United States of America, we're not going to pretend like there's not a lot going on. Look, I'm I'm looking at the articles just like you're looking at the articles about the Asian giant hornets. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm reading this information just like you're reading this information. And some of the stories, some of the stories will make you in, invest in a portable storm shelter. So, I mean, some of the, you know what I mean? Some of the things that like you could just press a button and, and you're just encapsulated and then you go out, you know? I mean, some of the stories will make you do that if you're not careful. If you're not careful. And yeah. it's interesting because I, I was looking at this story where, you know, they're talking about, um, and of course, you know, the New York Times and CNN and all these people who have a vested interest in keeping you afraid, all right? <laughs> if it's not wear the mask, stay inside, um, then it's don't come out. The bugs are waiting to get you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I feel I, if you read this stuff and you only read this stuff, you'll think that there's something flying, buzzing just outside your door. Mm. 
<laughs> and you'll think, really, you know, <laughs> the only safe place is hunkered down inside, you know, I would say conveniently, not defending or protecting your rights, which mm. are God-given. But again, that's probably another story for another day. So you got the Asian hornets, you know, the, the murder, murder <laughs> hornets. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Man, I mean, which there's no more menacing a name than that. I feel like if there's murder in your name, you know, then look, you can't come back from that. I don't know any other job you're going to get. You're called a murder hornet. We're not hiring you. Right. You can't come work here. You're not just one of the worker bees. Can you see them showing up just like one of the other bees? No, you're not. And we know that you're waiting to rip our heads off and take our thoraxes back to your, your babies. We can't. We're not doing it. At the same time, at the same time, you read a story where you've got uh, this D.C. area uh, entomologist who is saying that some of the information that's coming out about this is not as bad as it's being portrayed. Hmm. And then again, you got to ask yourself, so then why would they paint this picture that it's, you know, apocalyptic bugs? Why would they paint this picture? Well, maybe there is a little bit of psychological warfare going on. And how do we become victims of this? by consuming this information and this information alone. Mm -hmm. Pastor David Jeremiah said something um, beautifully that reminds us the goal and the purpose of prayer, right? Because sometimes we can struggle with this. We're like, what if I pray and God doesn't give me the answer that I want, right? You know, there are people who say, well, Miki, I hear what you're saying about prayer and, and all, but I have prayed and I've not gotten the answer I wanted. I've not gotten the answer I want, right? This is what Pastor David Jeremiah says. I think it's beautifully say, stated. It says the goal in prayer is to have hearts that want what they receive from God rather than ones that always ask for what they want. Mm. Let me read it to you again because <laughs> it'll trip you up, especially it goes against what some of us have been taught, that we just go tell God what we want <laughs> and we expect him to give us what we want. Pastor David Jeremiah. The goal in prayer is to have hearts that want what they receive from God rather than ones that always ask for what they want. He goes on. Prayer does not always change our situation, but it should always change us. Should always change us. That's good. So in the midst of what we're battling with today, right, in, in this COVID-19 era, <laughs> What does it look like for us to live as faithful Christians? Well, mm. you know, I, I think the Apostle Paul, he was trying to, to get the Corinthians um, who were now Christians. He was trying to get them to live like Christians and no longer Corinthians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And look, again, Americana, you understand that you're like, right, well, because it's Corinth. <laughs> but would he say the same thing to us today? Indeed. Would he say, hey, look, live like Christians. Indeed. Don't live like Americans. Yes, he would. <laughs> you know, right? And we're saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So when, so when people are running here and there and the sky is constantly falling on their heads, Man, I would say that we are we yes, we are tasked with trying to rescue our brothers and our sisters from this type of mental anguish that they're in. Um, we don't want. So to speak, for lack of a bit, we don't want Christian defectors, people who feel that there is nothing that um, that following Christ offers me that mm -hmm. I can see right here and right now. So I don't know that this is worth it. Yeah. This goes back to and, and I'll open the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. This goes back to um, 
the the way of the master. Um, oh goodness, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, um, evangelist, the way of the Comfort. master, Ray Comfort. Thank you so much. Yes. But this goes back uh, decades to his teaching on the whole thing about you know the person saying you know get getting on the plane. You, mm-hmm. you you've heard this before. Put on this parachute; it'll give you a nicer ride. And so what happens? You put the parachute on because you want a nicer ride. And uh, and then all of a sudden it's uncomfortable on your back. You can't really recline. It's not so comfortable. It's not a nicer ride. Mm. So then what? You take the parachute off. But what happens if you tell the person they're getting on, put this parachute on, um, because suddenly this aircraft is going to crash to the to the ground. <laughs> you It doesn't care. You don't care how uncomfortable you get. You're not taking that parachute off. <laughs> because it's not about your comfort. Mm. It's not about having everything that you want and everything that you that you think you need right then, but it does prov- provide for you safety. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we look at this in the context of what it is to be a Christian. It's not that we are not affected by what's happening in the world, but it's that we have an eternal hope and it's different from those who are hoping for things around us that are temporal. There Look, and there is nothing wrong with us asking the Lord. The Lord sees our needs. The Lord knows what we need. Mm -hmm. He knows that Americans need to get back to work. Mm -hmm. He knows that individual families are affected by what's going on. And let me tell you something else here, too. All right. The Lord knows about the wicked and evil men and women who have devised wicked and evil schemes, not just in this country, but around the world. Yeah. He knows. He knows. He's and he's still in control. And he's not. He's not, uh, you know, caught off guard by any of that. So wouldn't it serve us best to go to the one who knows Amen. to put our full faith in the one who sees everything all the time, everywhere? I say yes. Mm. I say yes. All right. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right. We go to John in Somerset. Hi, John. Hello, Will. Hello, Mickey. Hi. <laughs> This is amazing. First caller, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, I was real excited about um, what you're saying about the fear, the psychological warfare and everything. And you're absolutely right. When you get a, a steady diet of um, negative things, like this virus and all these things that are going on, you will go in that direction. I'd just mm. re- like to read one little thing to you here. Go right ahead. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Mm. But if they had stood in my counsel and caused my people to hear my words, then should they have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. Now, basically, if you have a pastor or a teacher or something doing like you're doing, teaching to read the Word of God, to be filled with the Word of God, this fear and all these things would have none effect. Mm. Oh, come on. Mm. So that's good. I I just if there is some way I'd like for you folks, I'd like us to sit on the porch. (laughs) Yes. Fellowship. (laughs) Yeah. I I felt that, John. Look, let me just say to our brother, as you were reading, (laughs) I felt that there is something about knowing the God that we serve and being in the family of God. So, yeah. Can you what is the scripture reference that you were reading, John? He's Did gone. we already lose him? Yeah. That's okay. We'll we'll get it because that that is so encouraging. And I'm going to tell you, man, find people like John, mm-hmm. right? Find people like John in your life 
that you can talk to, that you can be mutually encouraged, that together you can stand against the onslaught of the culture, which right now involves a certain amount of, I agree, I would say psychological warfare. All right, yeah. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Tina in America's Kansas. Hi, Tina. Hi. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. Um, great program. Uh, great program. And, uh, Mickey, you're just, you're being too kind. <laughs> this, this, um, yeah, it's, we are, as, as born-again believers, Christians, uh, everybody's a Christian. So I, so as born-again believers, as, as we're uh, exposing, everybody's exposing themselves, because if we knew the power of God in prayer, Come we on. wouldn't be fearful and anxious. And mm. so they just, they, they don't know. So uh, we got to stay prayed up. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen. Mm. It's just, people just do not. They just don't know the power of prayer. So um, they need to get in the Word and ask. I just tell, I always tell people in the witnessing to ask the Holy Spirit. I say, ask God to show you. He'll show you. Mm. Um, Amen. We don't have to live in this. And it is psychological warfare. There's so much stuff going on mm-hmm. uh, under the surface that people don't know about. So, yeah, just keep exposing it. Um, because it's it's really done a number on all of us. Thank you, Tina. I appreciate you, Tina. Tina calling in. I was thinking, John's like, man, Tina can come sit on the porch with us too. <laughs> come on, everybody, bring your own coffee mug and just come and sit on the porch. Will the great? Where do we go next? Let's go to Wilma in Texas. Hi, Wilma. Uh, hello. Hello. Uh, I'm a. Oh, I love you guys. You're just wonderful, Thank and I God love the way you. you raise your family. Thank you. You're just terrific. What I would like for our listeners on this station to do is by any means that they have, telephone, letters, emails, telegraphs, whatever, <laughs> and tell the president to please quit listening to this Fauci guy, which is, uh, he doesn't know what he's doing, and he doesn't. He's so interested in getting a new virus with his name on it that they won't even tell people to use something that works Mm. and to Mm. stop listening to the Democrats and to open this country for business and to stop it because people now know, we know how to take care of ourselves now. Mm -hmm. We can do it. We will do it. Mm -hmm. But please, and to tell the old people my age, which I'm as (laughs) old as the Hills, to stop voting for these communist Democrats. I was a Democrat when I was young, but I wised up. <laughs> Wilma. Thank you, Wilma. Like, let me just let me just take a moment to comment on that because Will, you that's something you've been saying for a long time here. Mm-hmm. Um I love that Wilma's like telegraph, however it is, <laughs> yeah. um, you know <laughs> horse mail carrier, you know. Um Look, let me say something here. There is some information that I was reading over the weekend, and I always kind of toy back and forth with, you know, do we share this and and talk about it? But to the point that Wilma's making, and also the point that you've been making, Will, for a long time, why are these people surrounding the president? Why doesn't it just get rid of them? Um, I think it's very interesting that you have the president this weekend who comes out, and, and also at the same time, Secretary of State Pompeo saying, that there is evidence that not only this virus um, originated in this lab, mm-hmm. right, but that it was covered up so that the Chinese could get the jump on all of the medical necessities um, that they would <laughs> that they would require. <laughs> and at the same time that this information is coming from the president, coming from his administration, 
You've got Dr. Fauci, who does a National Geographic interview where he says, no, he's still he's sticking with the it came from bats thing. (laughs) Dr. Fauci is sticking with the it came from bats thing. And you just go, man, if you know, if we cannot see through those things, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But look, we're not left to ourselves. We have the Lord and he leads us in victory. Right. All right. We're out of time. Um, Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.